Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. I'm saying this, there is the security of salvation by grace. If you have truly exercised saving faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to demonstrate from Scripture that you are eternally secure. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. Benjamin Franklin once said that nothing in this world was certain except death and taxes. But the reality is that followers of Jesus Christ can also be assured of our salvation and know that we are secure for all eternity. Are you living with this assurance? Today on The Verdict, we're examining the security of grace. So now, let's join Pastor John Monroe to introduce today's message. We often sing about God's grace being amazing, but I trust that not only do you sing about it, you have experienced it in your own soul by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. The last couple of times we thought of God's plan of grace, and today we continue by thinking of the security of grace. I want you to be spiritually secure. You will never have assurance of your salvation unless you understand and experience the grace of God. So this is a very important subject and one very dear to my own heart as I meet many people who are insecure. Many wonder if they are truly saved or not. Maybe that's where you are today, wondering whether you are saved. So listen carefully as we think of the security of grace. It seems to me that our society, whatever we look at it, is riddled with insecurity, with turmoil, with chaos and uncertainty. But I have tremendous, tremendous good news. If you are saved by the grace of God, you are secure. Can you allow that thought to penetrate and to warm your heart? If you today are saved by the grace of God, you are secure. Not only for all of this life, whatever may happen to you, but also for the life to come. And that security is rooted not in Wall Street, not in Main Street, not in a presidential candidate, not in a political party, not in so-called job security, not in your bank balance, not even in your potential, but in the eternal purposes of our faithful God and the steadfastness, yes, the steadfastness, of the grace of God. We've been learning that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. And if you have a soul that can be won or lost for all of eternity, the eternal destiny of your soul is of the utmost seriousness. And we've been reflecting on that in this series. The question before us is this, can a person who is saved by God's grace be eternally lost? Let me put the question another way. Is it possible for you to be truly saved today, that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven, and yet for something to happen to you tomorrow that would cause you to be eternally lost? Simply put, can you lose your salvation? Is it possible to be eternally, eternally secure. After all, that is the best security of all, isn't it? 
We as a nation are talking about security. There is great uncertainty. Whatever you may think of your particular circumstances here and now, surely if you are a thinking person, you realize that there is a security which is much more important than economic security, and that is eternal and spiritual security. Today we continue our series on grace, which is really amazing. Our subject is the security of grace. Let me say, first of all, to sound as it were an alarming note, but a very necessary note, there is a false security. Spiritually speaking, there is a false security. Trusting in a profession of faith rather than in possession of Christ. It is possible for people to sit here today who are under, spiritually speaking, a false sense of security. They have made a profession of faith that is a statement with their lips, but they don't possess Christ. Simply put, not all who say they are believers in Jesus Christ are truly saved. Eternal security applies not to those who profess salvation, but to those who possess salvation, and there is a world of a difference. There is a faith, the Bible says, which is not a true saving faith. Turn in your Bibles to the first gospel, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone, says Jesus, who says to me, Lord, Lord, notice that, there are those who say, Lord, Lord, they've got the term right. Is Jesus Lord? Of course he is. They've got the terminology right. They say, Lord, Lord. But not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Profession, but no possession. Go over to the end of the New Testament to 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Just one verse. John says, they went out from us, that is from the Christian community, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Here in the New Testament church, there were those who identified with the new community of believers who would have said, we are Christians, we're followers of Jesus. When they're interviewed for church membership, as it were, they profess, they make the right statement, but after a while they leave. Why? Says John, they were not really of us at all. If they had been, they would have stayed with us. You see, saying that you believe in Jesus Christ is not the same as truly believing. I can say to my wife, goodness, I love you. And she may say, John, you're good with words, but is that really true? Does the way you live reflect your love for me? Words are cheap. In the same way, someone may say to Jesus Christ, I love you, Lord. I know you, Lord, and yet in their heart never have truly believed. You see, belief may be purely at the intellectual level. Says Paul in Romans 10 verse 9, 
If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, outward confession and heart belief go together. So a person may say a prayer. A person may walk an aisle. A person may put up their hand. A person may have an emotional experience, but never have truly trusted in Jesus Christ. Saying that you're a Christian, professing that you're a Christian, does not make you a Christian. I'm told in Islam, in order to convert to Islam, you make the statement about Allah. That may be true in Islam, it's not true in the Christian faith. The outward profession is important, but it is insufficient. It is the belief of the heart, true saving faith, where we embrace Christ and place our faith, our personal faith in the person and work of our Savior. I remember in the previous church where I served, there was a, a lady, a married lady, came to the church, very diligent, a very godly woman. And as I spoke to her, uh, she said, you know, my husband won't come to church. In fact, he is actively an unbeliever. And so we started praying for him. And then I said to her, you know, would your husband be open uh, to my coming to the house and, and speaking with him? And so she said, I'll check. And somewhat to my surprise, she said, yes. Uh, he'll be glad to speak with you. I mean, if I was an unbeliever, I wouldn't want the pastor to come into my house, would you? And so I went, and I took one of our deacons with me. And so we went. It became pretty obvious to me that this man had invited us in order to please and to placate his wife. But he brought up a number of questions, very common questions, questions which I've had many, many times, and the deacon and I answered his questions. And then we presented the gospel. And we gave him an opportunity to receive Christ. But it seemed to me clearly that this man was not ready to do so. And so we left, leaving him some literature, praying for him, and then left. So we're driving back. The deacon said to me, Pastor, you wouldn't make a very good salesman. And I thought, well, I've never wanted to be a salesman. Uh, but I said, although I thought I knew what he meant, I said, what do you mean? He said, you know, we answered every question that man had, and, uh, and I think we could have got him uh, to say a prayer. I said, I'm sure we could have, probably so that we could leave the house. I said, just think of this. Could you imagine the damage we would do to such a man that through the force of our personality or because we had thought of the questions that he had brought up more thoroughly than he did, that we were some way to kind of pressure him or manipulate him where he would say a certain word and then we would do great damage to his soul and then say to him, well, now you're saved, now you're a Christian. I said, imagine the difference if in the coming days this man calls us and says, you know, I thought of what you heard and I haven't been able to sleep and God convicted me of my sin and I trusted the Savior. Brothers and sisters, we do great damage when we try to talk people into making a profession of faith. It is a supernatural work of the heart. And I believe that our churches are filled with people who may have said a prayer, but have never had a spiritual work of grace in their heart. You see, salvation is not giving assent to some doctrinal statement. 
Lewis Berry Schaefer and John Walvoord, previous presidents of Dallas Seminary, write this. It is possible for a person to experience a superficial conversion or outward change in his life, go through the outward motions of accepting Christ, such as joining a church or being baptized, and even experience a measure of change in his life, yet still be short of real salvation in Christ. What is salvation? Just saying, I believe? No. Says the New Testament in John 1, as many as received him that has received Christ. To them he gave the authority, the power to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is a supernatural transaction in the soul. So I ask you, have you truly trusted in Christ as your personal Savior? I'm sure the vast majority of you sit here, you profess to be Christians, but are you truly saved by the grace of God? Is it a profession or is it possession? Now, as we think of this question of security, I'm saying this first, that there is the security of salvation by grace. If you have truly exercised saving faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to demonstrate from Scripture that you are eternally secure. Turn to the book of Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, chapter 3, where we will see what salvation is according to Paul. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7, wonderful words. Listen to them. Paul says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. Not me twisting someone's arm. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural. Whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Paul is saying, this salvation is rooted in and initiated by the love of God. It is also not by our works, but it's according to God's mercy. We've seen this over and over again, that this is a grace which is not manufactured by us, but which comes down from God. It's His mercy. How is it accomplished by supernatural birth? Look at the text. Paul says, the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. That's why we call becoming a Christian being born again, born into God's family. And when you're born into God's family, you can't be unborn. This new birth is irreversible. Many years ago now, I was born into the Monroe family. Whatever my parents thought, that couldn't be reversed. I was part of their family. The new birth is irreversible. We can't be unborn. What is it based on? It is based on Christ's work, Paul says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. It results in a declaration of righteousness by God's grace, Paul says, being justified, we thought of that two weeks ago, by His grace. It is eternal in its scope, the salvation, heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Saved by grace alone, 
through faith alone, because of Christ alone. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. We look away from ourselves and we look to Christ. You see, if our salvation is to any extent dependent on what we do, grace would no longer be grace. And to say that you can be saved at one point of time and then do something to undermine your salvation is an attack on the grace of God and an attack on the sufficiency of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ, who when he died on the cross, died and paid the price for all our sins. Covered by the blood of Jesus Christ for all of my life, yes, and for all of eternity. The Christian life is not a matter of being saved by God's grace and then continuing to be saved by our works. Salvation is all of grace. It is not grace plus something. That was the error of the Galatians in the New Testament. Adding to grace, even 1%, renders grace null and void. And yet I think and know that many religious people, church people, they say yes, they quite readily say that Christ died for our sins, but they still believe that they've got to do their part to get into heaven. They hope to make it to heaven by observing the sacraments, by living a good life, by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. And if that is your view, no wonder you can never be sure whether or not you're saved. To a greater or lesser extent, they are depending on what they do and who they are rather than, than depending totally on Christ alone and what He has done. This is the security of salvation by grace. Now, if you don't understand grace, you will not understand the security of grace. If you don't have an understanding that salvation is by grace alone, you will continue to think that you must do your part to get you into heaven. The security of salvation by grace. Secondly, the security of the promises of grace. Turn to John's gospel now, John chapter 10, for a wonderful few verses. John chapter 10, words of our Lord on this important subject, the security of the promises of grace. The promises given by Christ, as we will read, are that those who are saved will never, never perish. You say, well, but what if we deny the faith? What if we are lacking in faith? Paul says, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains, what? Faithful. For he, God, cannot deny himself. God, to say the obvious, never, ever, ever goes back on his promise. Of course, we are often faithless. We stumble, we fall into sin, we mess up, but our great God cannot deny himself. And here is one of the wonderful promises of grace. John 10, verse 27 says, Jesus, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Notice what he says. Number one, Christ gives us eternal life. When you place your faith like a little child, that humility, that trust, when you humble yourself before God and turn from your sin and trust the Savior, when you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, you receive, says Jesus, eternal life. Eternal life. John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has, present tense, has eternal life. He doesn't come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. And that moment when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you received as a gift of God's grace not just spiritual, conditional life, you received and I received eternal life. Our Savior here in John 10 is saying that he lays down his life and takes it up again so that we may have his life, his eternal life. And eternal life wouldn't be eternal life if we could lose it. And this eternal life is received now. For the Christian, it is a present possession and it is also, praise his name, a permanent possession. This is the greatest joy imaginable. I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about the economic situation. I don't know about my health. I don't know about many situations. I don't know about the end of this day, far less five years from now. But this I do know, that my faith, weak, and stumbling, although it sometimes is, is in my Lord Jesus Christ. And I have received now eternal life. He gives us eternal life. Secondly, says Jesus, they will never perish. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. The security of grace is as secure as the good shepherd himself. Here's his promise. They shall never perish. You are listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Today's message is titled, The Security of Grace, and we'll continue with part two when we come back next time. In the meantime, feel free to visit our website at theverdict.org. With all the uncertainty in our world today, many people are struggling to find peace and security. Questions about sin, salvation, judgment, and why it all matters seem to be mounting all around us, and we need to be clear on what God says. That's why our current series on grace is so important. And to go hand in hand with our study, we'd like to send you a special booklet from John titled, Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. Learn a bit of his personal testimony as he carefully examines scripture to give us clarity on personal doubt and questions of eternity. Find answers and better understand salvation by grace. This resource is completely free by mail or download. So request the Eternal Security Booklet today at theverdict.org. Here at The Verdict, we're committed to spreading and teaching biblical truth on a daily basis. We invite you to be a part of this gospel work by supporting our ministry with a financial gift of any amount. So please give online at theverdict.org or call us at 833 833- 
551-2231. You can also send a check through the mail. Just address your envelope to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Would you say that you have the assurance of salvation? If you were to die right now, do you know that you would immediately go into the presence of the Lord? Not because of your innate goodness or because of things you've done, but entirely because of the grace of God through trusting in our Lord Jesus Christ. Next time, we'll continue this important subject of the security of grace. And I will focus on a verse which has been a great help to me through my Christian life. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.